0: Hello a different one. I'm trying to switch it up. Uh, welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burris. here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening. To us, Zach and I talk everything Vols every week here on the Big Orange Podcast, and if you want to listen to this on the regular, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, rate, review, subscribe, and specifically subscribe, because if you do that, you won't miss a single episode when we drop them on Mondays. I'm at Charlie underscore Burris, Zach is at ZachTNT on Twitter, A to Z Sports is at A to Z Sports. On Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. And A to Z Sports dot com for all the stuff that Zach and I write about them balls. It's a snowy Monday. Just really odd for East Tennessee. Um, Thankfully, roads weren't too bad. Got to go out uh, around lunch and was pretty easy to traverse but zach you over to our east which i would say gets even less snow than we really do you're like ice thin right now or to some extent
1: yeah i'm not uh i'm not gonna attempt it but yeah the the road's still pretty covered in a decent sheet of ice here so it's been a couple of days of sitting at the house and pretty much eating all the snacks i had bought <laughs> so those are those are pretty Perfect. much gone by now so if something has happened soon it's gonna be
0: it's going to be rough times here thankfully it was a couple of unbelievable days of sports and then today is another one uh mlk day happy mlk day to, to everybody uh celebrating the great martin luther king um a lot of people off of work and uh so sports were on all in the middle of the day and then you got the final wild card game tonight between the the Cardinals and the Rams for my money purposes i need the Rams to win that one please and thank you uh if you could uh specifically cooper cup if you could go for over 107 yards i would really appreciate that maybe a touchdown i don't know you do you but i'm just saying my wallet would appreciate it uh but a a crazy uh Set of sports. So, so that was good. At least if you're going to be snowed in, that's the way to do it. Um, but as far as Tennessee sports goes, not a ton going on with football. But basketball on Saturday <sighs> gets, but what's the right way to even frame this? Boat raced, um, blown off the floor, uh, destroyed. Looked like they didn't even belong in the same league. As the Kentucky Wildcats, uh, Tennessee went into Rupp Arena and got embarrassed. Uh, that's that's pretty much the bottom line there. Now, this would really be the topic that's top of mind if you're with if you're following Tennessee sports daily, um, and we are going to talk about it. It's just gonna be in the second half of the show because we really fleshed out Rick Barnes and our thoughts on that actually last week, and our thoughts really haven't changed much. My thoughts haven't changed that much in the last. Two years, frankly. Um, it's dicey with all Rick, and I think more and more people are coming to that viewpoint. Uh I you know, you hate it. You just you wish that we would just, you know, make Final Four win a national championship every year, but that's not how the world works. And so we'll we'll cover that. We'll give, you know, our, our view given the Kentucky game on that in the second half uh, of the show. But that was a tough one to swallow, Zach. Yeah,
1: that that was pretty rough game from from the outset. Uh, when a team shoots almost seventy percent, it's 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 kind of like how much how much can you do? Like you you can't. You, there's not much you can do to defend against that. But then on the other hand, it's like is there anything you can do to defend against it? I mean, Tennessee been playing some good defense, and then they. They give up the most points that Kentucky has scored against an AP top twenty-five team since nineteen ninety-four. That is, that's hard to even comprehend. Uh, so when when you're giving up that many points, it's it's concerning. I think it, I think it does go beyond a little bit of well, Kentucky just couldn't miss. I mean, I, I think Tennessee's Tennessee had a lot to do with with Kentucky not being able to miss.
0: So as I mentioned, that will. We'll wrap up the show with that topic, but I'll I'll put it this way. From my view, I watched the whole game and I've actually rewatched some of the clips. Why? <laughs> um, well, I would say it this way to make sure my theory was okay. correct. I don't want to be saying the stuff that I'm going to say <laughs> with no basis. I'm sure that was um, not easy. Kentucky did not shoot 80% or whatever from the floor f- from Magic, they're good players but they're not that good. Tennessee's defense was, could have been better anyway. uh, First, before we get to that topic, might end up being a little shorter show today, depending on how this first topic goes, but this is something that we have followed closely. And I think it's really important to to talk about in terms of just Tennessee athletics in general. It's a big story. Um, the rules around the NCAA, NCAA violations and how it pertains to Tennessee and its current NCAA investigation, those rules could be changing uh, in the very near future. I didn't know that this was happening. Adam Sparks, an Knoxville News Sentinel, wrote about this, Zach, and you sent it to me, and uh, you you've dove down into it a little further than I have. But what is the deal? With how essentially it seems like Tennessee is attempting to change the rules so they don't get in trouble. What's going on?
1: Yeah, I mean that that kind of is how it feels because uh, so according to Adam Sparks, there's an NCAA convention that starts on Wednesday in in Indianapolis, and it will be a, there's 17 members on this committee, and basically the discussion is going to center around changing the rules on NCAA infractions, uh, how the NCAA punishes offenders uh you know the schools that break the rules you know because as it is it's something we've talked about a lot usually the players that had nothing to do with the infractions the coaches that had nothing to do with the infractions are the ones that get punished you know they're the ones that face the bowl ban the loss of scholarships and they had nothing to do with it um so it's something that's needed to be changed for a long time But Tennessee actually has uh, the Deputy Athletics Director, Cameron Walker, uh, is one of the 17 members of the group that has created this report, which is presented by Lead One, an association that's representing all of the athletic departments, all 130 FBS athletic departments. They've presented this, they're going to present this report basically to suggest how they can better punish programs that, that break NCAA rules, how... They kind of they want to mitigate the the penalties for programs that cooperate, like Tennessee did, which has something we've talked about for a, many times on this show. Is don't cooperate, don't talk to them, because the ones that do end up with harsher penalties. There was an example in, in Adam Sparks' article about Missouri and Mississippi State. You know, Missouri cooperate. I believe it was Missouri cooperated, received a bowl ban or, or postseason ban. Mississippi State didn't and Mississippi State faced way less penalties because they just didn't cooperate. kind of makes you wonder if Tennessee knew that this was coming down the hatch uh, and, and that's the reason they chose to approach it the way they did. Something that I've – I don't personally know this to be true, but it feels like Tennessee has really been pushing out that number of, of how much money they've spent – investigating this it's over it's 1.08 million and every article you read every time Danny White or Donde Plowman the chancellor of Tennessee talks to the media or reporter about the investigation that number gets tossed out there and they really want to publicize that number it feels like to say hey look look at how deep we went into this look at how hard we've tried to to clean this mess up and cooperate with the NCAA and for a long time, we said that that was the wrong move, but maybe with this stuff coming down, you know, maybe Tennessee's playing this a little smarter than we thought they were.
0: This really did give me pause when I read this for the reasons that you're saying there. Um, I have been extremely critical of Tennessee for giving the NCAA even the time of day. Don't even look in their direction, as far as I am concerned, because all they do is just bend you over. They have no respect or anything it is an organization run by absolute buffoons. Um, nothing about that article changed that opinion <laughs> in my mind. I will say that. Um, I still think the NCAA is a garbage organization that at a baseline, like this is my my foundational beliefs on this before getting too much further. The NCAA should be done away with. I think it serves no real purpose at this point. Um, college sports is a semi-pro league and should be treated as such. But with that out of the way... Um, I actually kind of took a step back reading this and I thought, wow, Tennessee might have had some forethought here and some actual vision to an impressive extent. If that is actually what happened, we do not have confirmation of that. But if they knew that this was coming down the pike and they said, hey, NIL is about to change, that's a big part of it. And it's going to kind of change the landscape of, of college football. Now, Tennessee has been huge on the NIL stuff from the beginning, and that's good. Um, and then if they knew this was coming right behind, where potentially they could get the rules changed in their favor so that punitive action is not taken against kids who did nothing, and really only against somebody like Jeremy Pruitt in this case, I would actually change my opinion and say... Still I don't support Ever cooperating with the NCAA cuz screw those guys. But if you're going to do it, at least they did it this way because it seems smart uh and and they're going and ultimately I think in a much more immediate sense than I thought was thought it was going to be, uh Tennessee could get this NCAA cloud uh, off from over their head. And that would be massive. I mean just like Josh Heupel managed a, a number 15 recruiting class with all this garbage going on. And you add, you know, even more enthusiasm about the NIL and things like that. And then you get rid of this NCA investigation. I got to think that it's just going to become that much easier to recruit to the university of Tennessee. So, uh, this, I'm extremely interested to see how this turns out. Cause I did not know that this was a thing. And, you know, forgive me for not uh spending all of my free time following exactly what the NCAA does um but uh this I if they pull pull this off they are some crafty bastards I will say that's uh in a uh thinking 12 steps ahead kind of move and I I would have ap- applaud them if that is what happened again they may have just walked into an advantageous situation and not known it um and then they may end up getting the easy way out may i mean it has to actually come through it has to go the way that tennessee wants it to go although it seemed like from reading that article it seems like that is probably what's going to happen it seemed like the majority of institutions are in favor of favor of it which usually is what moves the ncaa so i i it's a fascinating situation. I, I'm very interested to see what happens.
1: I mean, it may, it makes so much sense, which is one reason you wonder if the NCAA will actually do it. But to <laughs> punish to punish these players that that had nothing to do with something, it, it just it's never made any sense. And then you give a coach a show calls penalty, and what you know what does that translate to? Bruce Pearl's still coaching. He's got Auburn, you know, right back at the top of the college basketball world. Just about. Plenty of other coaches we've seen that have that have had plenty of issues with the NCAA, and it doesn't really—it's not even really a hiccup in their career. I mean, those are the ones that it should follow, and you know, maybe maybe this will change that. As far nope. as as far as Tennessee cooperating, you know, deciding to cooperate, I don't know if they had enough foresight. I mean, this was that that was before Danny White was hired, so who knows. I mean, this that would feel like a Danny White move. So I don't know. They, yeah. I think they might have just kind of lucked into it. But as it went along, they realized maybe they could play it this way. But that, I I found that example exactly of Missouri Mississippi State, and just to show you just how crazy the NCAA is, in Missouri, an athletics department tutor completed academic work for twelve football, baseball, and softball players. The tutor reported her own misconduct, cooperated with the NCAA. And Mississippi State, same thing happened, except it was 10 football players and one basketball player. So pretty, 11, 12, pretty much the same thing. That tutor did not participate at all, would not sit for the NCAA, and would not even respond to the NCAA. Missouri received a one-year postseason ban in all three sports. Mississippi State received no postseason ban. I mean, that even if nothing gets changed, you have to go that route. It's, pr- it's the only way that works. I mean, it's working at, for LSU, certainly, and Will Wade, who I still can't believe is employed. Um, you know, if, if the NCAA wants to actually have schools cooperate and try to clean up some of this stuff to some extent, they've got to make it worthwhile for the, for those programs, and that this is really the only way to do it. So maybe the NCAA kind of understands that, hey, these programs are starting to get some leverage where they don't have to talk to us if they don't want to.
0: I mean, th- this has been the forever problem with the NCAA. I mean, I, I know that there are a lot of people, and there's going to be people that listen to this, that push back on, on my opinions on this. But this is where my my opinions really come from, is that essentially, no matter what the NCAA does, the pros will always outweigh the cons for college programs to break these rules. Always. It does I mean honestly it doesn't even matter if you do get punished dec- decently harshly the NCAA has essentially thrown out ever giving out a a uh, death penalty or anything like that like they did with SMU cuz it just is so ruinous it's so ruinous it, it sets your program back for literally I mean how you know 20 some odd years with SMU um and they really have never been back since if we're being totally honest um, so like the punishments aren't really that bad. Oh, a postseason ban. Oh no. It's stupid, stupid it's, for sure. The, the scholarships really are what hurts. The, that that's, that's as bad as it gets. It can hurt I, your, your program.
1: I'm willing to bet that. I mean, that that's probably going to remain because you're not really, yeah probably will. you're not hurting the current players. I mean, you kind of are because, you know, the team's not going to be quite as strong maybe for a couple of years because they don't have as many scholarship players. But you're not taking a postseason bowl away from them. You're, you know, you're not really hurting them in that aspect. You're just, you're hurting the institution at that point. But maybe, you know, maybe this is something where, hey, if you hire this coach, you lose this many scholarships. And that, you know, then that really hurts a coach because you pretty much made them unemployable unless they're Nick Saban or or somebody, you know, Urban Meyer or somebody
0: like that. It, just in in those those cases, unless you do get burned, kind of how you're you're saying, where, I mean, unless you're <laughs> like a Jerry Pruitt, where you're just a toxic asset, it's just always going to be worth it. I mean, look at the University of Georgia football program. Who knows how much money under the table those guys have given to recruits to come to Georgia? It has to be an un, untold amount of of money. I mean, you have kids coming to that program who who come from, you know, poor backgrounds in rural Georgia and they're driving around like hundred thousand dollar cars. I mean, what are we doing? OK, they're, which and, and again, I I'm in favor of, of paying players. So I I see that and I go, hey, it's good, good for Georgia. You're you you did not break the rules if you don't get caught, you know, but they have. Given who, Lord knows how much money to kids, but they don't get caught. They wrap it up nice. Kirby, Kirby has figured it. I'm sure he probably learned from Sabin, Let's be honest. Kirby probably learned from Sabin. And they just know how to keep it wrapped up. And the, the donors know how to keep it wrapped up. And so they don't get caught. And so it doesn't matter. And so the pros are always going to outweigh the cons because they're recruiting at an elite level and winning national championships. And that's what you have to do. It is a sport that at this point, is filled with snakes. So if you want to win, you got to get in the snake bed. Uh, And that's, that's the way that it is. And so with that setup, with the fact that the NCAA and its rules are so irrelevant and useless, there's just no, no point in the, in the, the NCAA anymore. We've gone, we're past the point of no return. Not that it ever really was there. The NCAA, was kind of stupid from the jump, but you're so far past it at this point, especially with the NIL it's coming in. And, and now that is, we, we can essentially all see right in front of our eyes, and it's above board at this point, that it's just really a money laundering scheme. Um, not a, not an illegal one, but one where you were paying these kids under the table, and then now you're just paying them over. And you have a donor who goes to the local, I don't know, dry cleaners and says, hey, give this kid a million dollars or however much, $100,000, uh, and say it's from you, but actually it's from me, and then he's going to come to the University of Georgia or wherever, and that's just a money laundering scheme. <laughs> and it just is like, why? Why can we not? Why can we not just be honest about what's going on? That's that's all I I want to get. I want to just get to that point. We don't need to cloak it in this name, image, likeness rules, bubby, 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 bubby You know all of this nonsense. Let's just call call it what it is. Let's all just the the rich. In the SEC, you're gonna keep getting richer with this stuff. It's gonna be rough for small programs that don't have resources. But how do you what's the solution at this point? You are past the point of no return. So you have to just come to terms with what this is, with what college football is. And I and I like that the Tennessee is kind of playing the game as much as they can, even if, you know, if you're gonna cooperate, at least do it it kind of do it the way it seems like they're doing it in sort of this. We're going to skirt the rules kind of away, actually. Um, And fine, if you have to. And I appreciate that Tennessee is giving this effort. But just at the end of the day, I mean, can we just not? Can we? Like, come on. We all know what's going on here. We all know that elite athletes don't do their homework like you were just talking about. We all know that they get paid. And just stop. Just everybody, put it to rest. There's no point in fighting it. And and let's, let's just have, I said it from the very beginning, just have this be the semi-pro league that it is. We can find a way to do it. Go from there. But with that said, hopefully this comes through for Tennessee, gets us a couple of inches closer to the NCAA, just becoming less and less relevant every step they take. Um, and hopefully gets Tennessee out of trouble. That's, that's what I'm searching for, um, and hopefully we can have both of those things happen. Yeah,
1: that's the main thing. Just, just get to the point where they can officially move on from this and, and have some closure to it and know what they're going to face. I don't think it's impacting them too much on the recruiting trail right now because they, they still get, they did a really good job of recruiting during this past uh, signing period. Based on where the program has been, just just the NCAA stuff aside, just based on going three and seven last year, and uh, you know having a losing record over the past three years, to to pull in a top fifteen class really shows that that the program still means something to recruits, that that the power T still means something, and it shows that Josh Heupel and his staff can recruit. Um, but still, you know, it it could be the difference in landing a key recruit and you don't want that to, to be what it comes down to. And you miss out on somebody you really want because of the investigation.
0: We'll see what happens. Um, that's all, all we can really do. It's just kind of a waiting game at this point, but we just, we thought it was an interesting note with not, not a ton going on specifically for Tennessee football. And this was, this was a pretty big thing that I don't give out a lot of compliments to Modern corporate media, um, I think that they're just progressively becoming more and more of a joke every single day. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I pretty much have a burning hate for most of the guys that work for, for those outlets, <laughs> um, and they hate me in return. So, hey, <laughs> it's mutual. Um, but the Knoxville News Sentinel, specifically Adam Adam Sparks, has been doing a really good job covering this uh, this investigation with with Tennessee. And kind of holding, holding Tennessee accountable where they, they've they been tracking how much Tennessee is spending on this. Now, if if Tennessee could get out of this, having only spent, they've spent what? A 1. little over a million. Bucks.
1: million yeah. What?
0: Well, yes. Okay. So a little over a million. If you can get out for two million bucks, not great. I don't love that Tennessee is spending two million dollars to cooperate with the NCAA. But if you can get out of it for two million bucks, you don't have to pay Pruitt anything. Um, you saved a pretty significant amount of money. Because what did we say? It was going to be... To fire Pruitt, it would have been... 12.6. Yeah. Yeah, but I I will only say that if you fully skirt everything. You, I mean, yeah. you, we, we're kind of saying it there. It seems like you might still get dinged on your scholarships and some things. It'll have to play out. Uh, But none, nonetheless, if they can do yeah. that and actually skirt it for $2 bucks, honestly, it's a victory at the end of the day. So. Yeah.
1: And speaking of Pruitt, he's still... Uh, he's, he's still not received any of that money. You know, he had the threatened Tennessee with the lawsuit back in what October and Tennessee responded and kind of said, Hey, you know, your letter, the letter from Pruitt's attorney didn't, didn't say that he was innocent of anything. So you're, you know, which really does kind of make it extortion because you're threatening based on not saying that Tennessee was wrong for, for firing him just saying, Hey, give us our money or we're going to. tell on other stuff, um, but Tennessee didn't didn't give him any money, and there's been no lawsuit actually filed yet, so it appeared that it was just a big bluff. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Pruitt's waiting for this investigation to settle so he can see how it turns out for Tennessee, and if, it, if it's not bad, then maybe he's got a leg to stand on, like, hey, they didn't penalize you that hard, so I should get some of my buyout. Uh, who knows how that'll turn out.
0: I do wonder if there's any kind of a statute of limitations um where, you know, time after the contract <laughs> expires that you can sue. Yeah. I know there are definitely limit limitations like that on yeah. a whole bunch of different stuff. But
1: if that's the case, then Bruce probably not going to get his money because the NCAA doesn't <laughs> move fast at anything. So if he's waiting well, on that to wrap up.
0: <laughs> I mean, I you look back at some of the other examples of this, I believe didn't Arkansas did this with Brett Bielma. I don't think he ever got paid. I don't think he if I'm am I thinking correctly on that?
1: um they did something similar yeah I think so there's there's been a few instances where this has happened and uh I believe I mean wasn't that kind of part of what happened with Houston Nutt and the reason Hugh Freeze got went down and got wrapped up in all of that it was because Houston Nutt had a lawsuit against against Ole Miss but yeah there's definitely precedent for it I I mean I don't think Pruitt's gonna get his money because it's all pretty much out there and like I said, he hasn't filed anything. He's not coaching at the college level now. He he said that he's not planning to return to college. For now, he's going to stay in the NFL, probably looking for a new job since Joe Judge got fired up in New York. So we'll have a keep an eye on Pruitt watch, see where he lands. What what if he lands with the Titans or something? Can you, can
0: you imagine that? <laughs> I'm going to guess he will try to stay out of the state of Tennessee. Um, but... I mean depending on what the guy wanted to do, we could use a new intern you know I, I mean, don't know
1: if, maybe if you went to the Patriots that way Tennessee uh, Titans fans could kind of consolidate
0: some hate there and just oh I would be fine with that I do yeah. wonder it's it seems like that's I, you know I don't want to speak out of turn Belichick's seventy years old just He's got whipped up and down the field by the bills um he says he's coming back. I I just I feel like that's out of that comes from a place of I'm not gonna have my final game be me getting my ass kicked <laughs> by the Bills. <laughs> but I it, you know I I could see him come back and it just gets worse actually next year and then he just goes okay I'm gonna cut my losses time to retire I'm 71 you know I but think him, uh, and
1: him and Brady might be in a standoff like one we're not, I'm not retiring till the other one does. <laughs>
0: Well, I, it's pretty funny now, you know, the, the Patri- Patriots fans will always have the last 20 years to talk about. You yeah. Know? They, they were the, one of the most dominant sports franchises I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty funny now watching them flail around and go, Tom Belichick sucks. It was Tom the whole time. He's the only reason we were good. We stink now. And I was watching some video with, uh, was Portnoy that, uh, Dave Portnoy had, bar stool and he was just beside himself and I it was pretty funny I I can't (laughs) lie just seeing there and the thing that it gives me hope for one day we'll be laughing at Alabama fans the same way one day Saban will leave (laughs) because
1: Saban's gonna leave and what are what what are they gonna do there's nowhere to go but down from that point no matter
0: how it's it's gonna be what what it's gonna be and we really we can we can wrap this this that this will actually be a good place to start really for the basketball conversation which we are, we're about to move on to um but it will i think will be very similar to when holly warlick had to take over for pat summit um mm, it just yeah, how, how are yeah. you ever how are you ever gonna live up to the greatest ever that's you yeah, just you I mean, can't do it you all you want to be the guy
1: after the guy that that yeah you know you don't want to be the guy who replaced the legend you want you want to be the guy after the guy it never rarely works out that uh you know I remember when growing up I was such a massive college basketball fan and that's really all I cared about when I was younger and under 10 years old and I remember when Dean Smith retired at, at Carolina UNC and they went with uh Bill Guthridge, who had been a longtime assistant in the program, did did, did kind of okay. Then they hired uh, Matt Doherty, who was terrible, and then they went to Roy Williams. And if Roy Williams would have went right after Dean Smith, I mean, that probably, you know, it wouldn't have been a, a, a storytell ending there for him. Uh, that, that just makes me think that Alabama will have to go through something similar. I don't, I don't see any way they don't. Even if they somehow get, like, Dabo to come down to Alabama. Which I I kind of feel seems a little more likely now that Clemson's kind of come back to earth. Like I could maybe see him doing that, but but even then, there, there's no way he can do what Saban's done.
0: No, there there's absolutely no way they're going to hate whoever it is. That that's a it's going to be career suicide. Whoever follows Saban, I feel like it'll be Ryan Day after Urban Meyer, where they just go, "Hey, this guy's here. Let's have him be the, <laughs> him be the coach."
1: It's kind of worked out there though for Day has- to some extent.
0: It's it's getting and Lincoln viewed.
1: Riley with uh, Bob Stoops is very similar too.
0: Yeah, but but you just you do just see they they can be as saving style is so a abra- I don't know if
1: anybody can pull that off. And then if you try to be saving it, it, we've seen that so many times it fails. It completely fails every time. I've, so I've I don't never, know how. To,
0: I mean, on, on one hand, Saban style only works at the college level because you just you can't be that tyrant in the NFL. You can't be they're They're grown men and the coaches are grown men and they treat each other that way. It's tough to be that at the college level anymore. He's
1: just so yeah. he's just been doing it for so long that I think players go there expecting that like they want. They yeah. want that
0: you you go. It's I mean, it's it's kind of like the Belichick of the Patriots is the Alabama yeah. way. Yeah, it's like know? a badge of honor to get yelled at by Saban. Exactly. <laughs> as you win a championship. And the, the the next guy, it can't be that. You can't do that. There's no, you know, you're not going to have the respect that Saban has. And nobody, nobody, I don't think probably ever in our lifetime again, will have the same balance of absolute tyrant and respect as a person. Kind yeah, of. I
1: mean, you saw after that game, he really has his players' backs. So like, he really like, does. You, you, you can't deny it. Like the way that he kind of... Sit there with Bryce, I, I believe it was Bryce Younger and Will Anderson, and kind of took a moment just to make sure that they got some some respect of uh, after losing to Georgia, which that that's still tough to swallow, the whole
0: Georgia thing. <sighs> yeah, but uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah, yeah, that, about it that much. But it, you, you definitely
1: have to have that balance.
0: You you do, and it's probably the thing that makes me the most ill about Nick Saban is because he does have that balance, yeah. and you you know you can say it all day long. Oh, Saban is. He's a robot. And so I make that joke all the time. But the real, the fact of the matter is the guy is a, is a great just leader of men. And mm-hmm. I hate it. <laughs> I, I hate, why can't he just have flaws? Frank? Cause you, I mean, yeah, you look at Kirby. He's not a great in game coach. He's just not. But this year he fully outclassed Nick Saban with talent. I mean, he just, yeah, it, it, they it's were, that the- defense was so good.
1: It was one of the weaker teams that Saban's really had, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, mean he, the fact he just, that he got to the championships a testament to the job he did.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the yeah, the fact that he got to that championship game is because Saban isn't is an incredible coach. Period. They, Georgia was the best team in America from the beginning, and it ugh, I I hate it so much. But I I do look and I I also go. I don't think that Kirby is going to have that same unbelievably sustained success because he is not I have not seen the evidence that he is as truly good of a coach as Nick Saban is like you just look at what Saban does and you just go damn he is like ironclad from front to back and you look at Kirby and you go you're a great recruiter like that's that's your you're running an offense from the 1990s and you have a great defense like that's
1: they won that game with defensive depth I mean, the fact that they bring in their second string and it's the same as their first string, that's where that game was won. That's where their dominance came from all season is that they just, you could not tire them out. You could not put a dent in that defense uh, even when their offense struggled.
0: And it still came down to Alabama could have tied the game. (laughs) It's still, save and found a way. And, you know, obviously it was a pick six at the end there, but like they still found a way to be right there at the end. I, it's just ridiculous. I hate both of those programs no. so much. I just... Bleh. Hopefully... You know, I've seen some guys around Georgia that are like, just think of the way that this is going to up Georgia's recruiting. I've said the same. Um, I, I think it will be something to watch to see how it does affect. Now that we've seen that Georgia can break through do, does it take them even further on the recruiting trail? Cause now they, I think it is a, a genuine factor that they have to bump up against these NIL uh, rules now where other schools can look at a kid and go, I'm gonna give you a million bucks to come here. Come to Knoxville, Tennessee. We'll give you a million dollars and a kid can go, okay, <laughs> you know, I'll come there and, and be the star and, and get, get my money. And I, I wonder how he'll how he'll navigate that, if it will be as simple as Georgia's won a national championship, so the recruiting's just gonna get that much better, or if this really does change the landscape. Because I, th- I think it has changed the landscape already. People kinda have given me pushback on this when I've said this. But I I, I think you just see with Texas A and M being the number one recruiting class in America this year and doing it almost solely because of the NIL rules. If you mm-hmm. read that story about how like they did that, thirty just, million it, ungodly amounts of money on this recruiting class ungodly amounts of money uh and they're the number one recruiting class in america you can buy you can buy a recruiting class now flat out you can and i just i think that's going to change the landscape because that's the players going to texas a&m are a bunch of players that could have gone to alabama and could have gone to georgia and they didn't so but what
1: texas a&m's doing there i don't think is sustainable because look no i mean who's who's financing that 30 million obviously some big time boosters, right? Exxon mobile. <laughs> so so, yeah. But yeah. I mean, if, if the Aggies, if they don't, if there's no payoff on that, um, if they continue to struggle, Jimbo's not able to deliver a championship. And then some of these players leave because there's nothing tying them to Texas A&M. If they leave and transfer, take their money and go to, to Alabama after a year or two, you're not going to have those. They're not going to continue to sink millions and millions and millions. So you, you still have to win. I mean, obviously, you, you got to have the talent, but it's only sustainable if you're winning,
0: I think. With the talent, this is just my my personal opinion of the way that they're setting it up with Jimbo. He's had successive really good recruiting classes now. Two, yeah. or, two or three or maybe even four. I mean, they've been right up there, top five. And it started to show this year they beat Alabama with Zach Calzada at quarterback, who's not even the quarterback anymore. He transferred yeah, away. But yeah, but then um, they
1: lost to a coach that had
0: already been fired to LSU. Yeah. Whoopsie. Um, but I, I just think he is like a good offensive coordinator hire away from having a national championship team again. He
1: I needs a really good quarterback.
0: That's his yeah, thing. It's always, that's, been his thing. It, I mean, that's college football. If you, yeah. if you can find the, the, the transcendent quarterback, you're gonna, I mean, look, look at Alabama this year is probably, probably overall the worst team that Saban has had since what? Oh seven. Yeah. Um, and they still made the national championship game because they brought in a killer for a quarterback. And so, you know, I, I just, I think if if they can find that, I think Texas a m is right there also. And I think it's exact proof that Tennessee can get right back if Josh Heupel will do some recruiting. But
1: Yeah, just just get some depth and hope that one of these quarterbacks is that transcendent guy. It doesn't have to be a five-star yeah. guy because it, it usually isn't <laughs> anymore. I mean, I know Bryce Young was, but we've seen plenty uh, that weren't. And, and, and you, when you talked about Georgia, if this really sets them off, I think about LSU in that 2019 season, one of the best college football teams we've ever seen, best offense. And then what they've had a losing record the two years since then. I mean, it yep. can go away very quickly. Instantly. And Joe Burrow was gone. That was the transcendent quarterback. Jamar Chase, some of those guys that went off to the NFL, and it was instantly just done. A couple of injuries, and they were firing the coach and, Moving on and, you know, so so there's no guarantee that Georgia's going to keep this up.
0: So this is just an observation. Like, I obviously, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Georgia's still going to be really good yeah. next year. But there is a reason and a very good reason why every college football analyst in America surveyed the landscape. And in their two early top 25 was Georgia they're number like, one in yeah, a single like one of those third
1: in most of them. yeah.
0: They they, nobody put Georgia at the top, and there's a reason for that. It's because Kirby Smart's a coach. Yeah. (laughs) And Nick Saban is the coach at Alabama. And what I what I this is my prediction as of right now, I could end up being very wrong, but this is just, you know, body of evidence from Kirby's whole time at Georgia. I think that you'll see next year they're gonna lose some of these senior guys who are big time leaders, and that's gonna be a big hit. Uh, where you, you I think you, you saw it when Tennessee won a national championship in 1998. Um, was Philip Fulmer the greatest coach on planet Earth? No, he was not. He had an excellent set of players and a really, really good defense and a transcendent quarterback in T. Martin. And you put all of that together with great leaders and great talent, and they can go and win despite not the best coaching in the world. And Saban had, puts both had, of those together.
1: They had some luck in 98 too. Let's oh, they did? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean. You got to have well, all that. Exactly. It has It has to fall into place, even if you are the best team in America. Um, but I, I just could foresee some of these older guys. Georgia's losing a pretty good set of dudes, replacing them with seven stars. You know, as we said, there was just no outrunning them this year. But you just you lose some of that senior leadership, and your head coach isn't as good as Nick Saban is, and you can see fall off. I I just think. I, th- I, am I saying that Tennessee is going to beat them next year? No, I think Tennessee is going to lose them again next year. But I just think that they there's a decent chance that they are not nearly as as good a season
1: now. I, I think there's two things before we move on to watcher Kirby Smart. One, one, how he handles winning a championship. Anytime you got a first time uh, championship winning coach, it's always interesting. Does it change their style? Um, sometimes it does. Uh, I think that was, I I don't know if it applies to Gene Chizik because he just got lucky with Cam Newton, but Ed Ogeron for sure. That dude lost his mind after they won the championship. I mean, that, that team was pretty locked in and then all of a sudden he's getting divorced and running around shirtless, completely different guy. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if that happens or Kirby smart, but I I hope hope it does. does. I really
0: hope it does. I I can't (laughs) lie.
1: The other thing to watch with him is, is he's losing some assistance now. He's gonna, he's going to have yeah. to start dealing with what Nick Saban has to deal with. He he lost uh, his defensive coordinator Dan Lanning, the head coach at Oregon. Now how how does he deal with that? His his passing game coordinator just just left for LSU. Um, you got to replace those guys, and the staff is part of what makes this all work. If if you don't have a good staff, it, it doesn't really matter who the head coach is. It's not going to work. So how does he manage that? that? That those are the two things I'll be kind of watching. As, as we
0: proceed here, it's, it all comes down to being that executive being the CEO as yeah. cheesy as that is the way that it gets talked about. It's so important to, to be able to be a great manager re- realistically at the, at the college level. So we'll, Hey, we'll see personally. I don't think that Georgia's is about to become a dynasty. Um, I know a lot of people have that fear right now I am not of that opinion I think that they that defense was just beyond beyond anyone's wildest dreams as far as what you could put together as a college football defense and and a decent set of those guys are going away after this year and that's going to change that landscape so I don't know we'll see uh with that said we did mention what it would be like if you followed up Nick Saban at Alabama and compared it to Pat Summit and Holly Warlick. And we said, it's great to be the guy after the guy. Well, the guy after the guy for the Lady Vol basketball team is Kelly Harper. And they are having an awesome season. Uh, they just absolutely laid the wood to Kentucky this weekend and it's fun to watch and laid the wood to Kentucky after one of Tennessee's best players went out. Actually, Uh, unfortunately, hopefully she gets back quickly. The diagnosis was day to day after the game. I think it's just like a sprained ankle. It looked like, but um, day to day for one of the best players and still Tennessee won that game by like 30, just whacks the floor with, with Kentucky and Kentucky's a top 25 team. I think they were ranked like 19th. Tennessee is top five right now. I believe number five, they may be higher as of today. I don't know if they, if they rose up the rank after a really nice top 25 win. Um, but only one loss on the season. That one loss is to number two, Stanford, a win over Texas. Um, obviously a win over Kentucky, like they're buzzing. And that is awesome. And I'm so happy. It makes me so incredibly happy. that one of Pat Summitt's players is now taking the reins and it looks like she might have a final four team on her hands. That's so awesome. and so exciting. And I love it so much. Um, with that said, the men's team, on the other hand, um, as we mentioned earlier in the show, went out and laid a straight up egg in Lexington, Kentucky and just got their butt kicked up and down the floor. Um, already said, we talked about it a lot last week. If you want to hear basically an entire episode of us talking about Rick Barnes and everything, but Zach, your, your overall thoughts on the state of uh, Tennessee basketball at the moment. I mean, it's nothing that's really
1: changed over the past two years of this conversation. I mean, it it really does feel like the exact same thing and it's going to continue to be the same thing. Um, I love Rick Barnes. I think everybody loves Rick Barnes and, and I'm not, I don't think that Tennessee should go out and fire him. Uh. But what we've seen—the talent that Tennessee has—this should be a much better team than what we're what we're seeing. I mean, eleven and five getting blown out by Kentucky. There's too much talent, and it really makes you think. One, Barnes' career at Tennessee—I mean, he's a hundred and thirty-one and seventy-five at Tennessee. It's 63% 63% winning percentage, which his career winning percentage is 65%. So he's doing exactly what he was hired to do, pretty much, like what you would expect. Um, the concerning part about that is when you take away Grant Williams, he's uh, he was 73 and 28 with Grant Williams, and without him he has a 55% winning percentage. Um, that's That's really concerning you know, 58% winning percentage over the last three years. That's what it is. That's not going to get any better. I I don't even know why we're getting frustrated over these losses anymore because you kind of, we should expect this kind of up and down performance from Tennessee basketball. Um, And that's what's going to continue to be as long as Barnes is the coach. Um, The the, the program's in a good spot. You know, they're, they're going to, they're pretty much always in the top 25 or right on the edge of it. If, Barnes decides to retire whoever comes in next is going to have a really good program to take over so you have to thank Barnes for that you you have to appreciate it while also recognizing that it could be better and it should be better
0: I am right there with you Um, I'll start I have to start this off every single time we ever have this conversation I don't want Rick Barnes fired Nobody wants yeah, it's, Rick Barnes to be fired. We shouldn't have to say this, okay?
1: Every time you criticize anything about Barnes, that's the first thing. You say, well, who are you going to hire? I'm like, well, I haven't said a thing about firing him, yeah. so let's That's, that's not hold the up.
0: conversation that we're having. The longer that his tenure has gone on, now when, when he got that giant new contract the conversation that we had on this show, you can go back and listen to it, was can he live up to that fat number? He has not, period. Not even really close. Fifth fifth highest paid coach in America, ahead of guys that have won multiple national titles in some cases.
1: He's actually been worse at Tennessee since that contract.
0: Yes, it's considerably actually. Um, Not only did he not live up to the contract, he's been far far below it. Unfortunately, it's just the expect it's the expectations that he set. Like he did really well with Grant Williams and and Admiral Schofield, George Bone, and all those guys, and that's where we're at. And then he got paid five million dollars a year. And if you don't want to be held to $5 million a year standards, don't get paid $5 million a year. You know, he's making as much, nearly as much money as Jay Wright, who has won two national championships. It is what it is. What do you want me to say? So starting from there, the observation that I've gained more and more of, now, now that Grant Williams and, and that whole set of guys is gone, the observation that has kind of come to light for me is this in the last few years. Rick is a very good player developer. He is. I think he's like Santiago Vescovi has has turned into an extremely valuable asset for Tennessee, and and he's gotten better since he got to Tennessee. Euros Plavchich has a guy that I thought when he initially got out there, I was like, wow, he looks like just a brick standing out there. I mean, he doesn't know what to do, and he has gotten better. He's not perfect, but has certainly gotten better. Rick is good at developing players. He is. Look at Grand Admiral. You know, he's done it his whole time here. What he is not good at is taking those developed players and turning it into a cohesive product on the court. He is not good at that at all. I think right now he does not have a very balanced team, and he never really has at Tennessee. Even when it was Grant and Admiral, all they ever really did for offense was throw it inside to Grant, and he, Grant just forced the ball up and off the glass, and he would score. <laughs> like that, or draw a foul. That was like the bulk of their offense. Um, And so... He just is not great at putting the pieces together, unfortunately. It is what it is at this point. We're seven years in. I think we can say this with absolute, and, and it's one of the main reasons he got fired at Texas. Had Kevin Durant, and I believe lost in the Sweet 16? You know, mm. one of the greatest basketball players of all time um, and didn't make it very far. He just is not great at putting, the, putting it all together, putting the puzzle pieces together. So, my my current thought obviously things could turn around and this team could just find complete cohesion and it would be amazing. The pieces are all there. Five star generational point guard, one of the best recruits to ever come to Tennessee, number one point guard in America coming in. The the talent is there. John Fulkerson, 52nd year senior. And and uh, you know, triple J is uh, you know, senior leadership, even more senior leadership on the team, but it could come together. I don't think it will. Um, and I think you have to, have to start having the conversation, the retirement conversation with Rick. I think you do. I think if you're if you're Danny White, you got to start playing that seed. You got to go. Hey, let's let's talk. You know, you're you're seventy. I don't how how exactly old is he? I don't know. If he's Sixty-seven. I think. So he's getting up there beyond typical retirement age. Um, I think he still feels healthy and he still feels good and he still wants to coach i think but i just look at his demeanor on the sidelines he just knows it's going south you could tell in that kentucky game just wasn't yeah the, he, it wasn't there he he was getting i tweeted this he was getting wrung out like a wet rag and just kind of sitting there like staring off into space said, Like, Rip, he, what are you doing
1: he looked just like a, a tennessee fan in the stands just.
0: yeah like he, it just looked kind of consigned to his fate and and i think you just gotta you know, for the fans, we got to just start becoming com- comfortable with this conversation right here. Because I see a lot of people, they're scared to say that we're not happy with Rick Barnes. Don't be scared to say that. It's okay. Because what, what you want is more. You want even more. Rick Barnes has done incredible things at Tennessee. And we can do more. Bruce made it to an Elite Eight. Hey, let's make it to a Final Four. We can do more. But you just got to gotta come to terms with where you're at. With Rick Barnes, if things do not improve this season, you end up getting bounced in the first second round of the tournament. God forbid you don't make the tournament. I don't think that'll happen, but God forbid it does. Especially if you don't make the tournament. I think. I mean, you, that's you might be talking about a fired scenario in that case. Unfortunately, if you but I, tournament. I would. I ho- hopefully, hopefully doesn't come to that. But it, let's let's say you know what a first first round exit in the tournament, another twenty to twenty five win season that just is not, it's just middling. It's just mediocre. I do. Th- I think you just got to come to terms with, we're at that point with Rick Barnes where we go, Rick, it might be time. You know, it, it, like it's, I, I would put it this way in the simplest way possible. The game's kind of passing him by. We, I said that about Fulmer when he was on the way out. The game had just passed Fulmer by. A lot of people love to think back and go like, what if we would have just kept Fulmer? If you would have kept Fulmer, you would have still been bad. Because the game had passed him by. And I think the the game is kind of passing Rick Rick by you see some of these, these young coaches having a lot of success. And, and the thing with college basketball is that I think of a lot of maybe fans of Tennessee who don't pay super close attention to college basketball because they're just more football people. There's a lot of really good young coaching talent in college basketball right now. A lot, like a lot, a lot, way more than college football. There's way bigger coach pool to draw from in college basketball than there is college uh, football. So I'm, It sucks that it has come to this, but I'm also not super discouraged because Rick has done what we wanted him to. He has made Tennessee a much more well-thought-of program. He took this thing from the absolute dumper to a nice, stable spot, and that's great. Tournament almost every year with Rick. Amazing. We can do more. That's that's all.
1: I'm trying to remember, what was the reaction like whenever— Barnes was hired. I mean, I know it was kind of a weird situation with
0: Donnie Tindall
1: stuff, right? I mean, I, this I, is it, was this? I mean, I can't remember if this was like expected. Like this is, if you go back to 20, was it twenty fifteen? I believe, and you, you say, hey, this is how the Barnes era is going to play out. You'd probably say, yeah, that's about right. I mean, that that's would that seem right?
0: Yeah. I'd have to go back and look. I think I guess I was on Twitter at that point. I wonder what I said about it. But I believe it was something along the lines of like Tennessee probably stumbled into a good hire. Yeah. Didn't have didn't have a ton of faith. And what I how how I would say I thought it would go is that Rick would get us to this point right now, where you're making a tournament every year, but it you're still just like five to 10 seed, you know, somewhere in there kind of middling tournament team, which for Tennessee at that point would have been a miracle. Um, And then he just way, you know, he shot past the moon with grand admiral, number one team, 30 wins, all that stuff. And he raised the expectations so high and raised his own pay rate so high that he, he probably got out a little over his skis. I think Um, because I, I would say at the beginning, I expected him to get to where he is at this day, current day, and he went past that, and now has kind of come back to the mean, and the mean at five million dollars a year ain't going to cut it. Unfortunately, it just is. That's, that's the way that it, It's the way that it is. I know it sounds harsh, but let's just have the conversation. Just st- let's stop skirting around it. That's all I I want to do because we all. I think it's completely understood. We all. Without a doubt, appreciate what Rick Barnes has done. Those years were incredible. I got to cover them up close, courtside as a media member. It was so fun, and I am forever thankful for that. Got to got to witness and go on the court for an SEC championship. Uh, that you know an SEC regular season championship. That was so cool. Forever indebted to Barnes for that, especially as a Tennessee fan and how how seldom that type of stuff comes around. Um, but we just got to be realistic about where we're at with this. Where you just go, hey, there's a lot of great young coaching talent out here, Rick. We love you. You are an amazing representative for Tennessee. Let's have a conversation about your future. That might that might just be what it comes to in the yeah. in the postseason this year. That just is. We're it's just getting closer every day. I f- I feel like
1: you. It's tough. I feel like you have to let him go out on his own terms. You can't yes. You can't Philip Fulmer this and force him out, especially if you don't have a good plan. Um, there would there would come a point, though, when you have to make a move if it, if things really start to kind of snowball out of control. As long as Tennessee's making the tournament, you let him keep going because your program's still going to be in, in a pretty good spot. But if he misses the tournament at any point, like you said earlier, I think he has to go then because it's, it's probably just going to get worse. <laughs> really, you don't want to think about them missing the tournament this year, but... At eleven and five, I think you've got maybe seven losses you can afford. I mean, I always kind of look at like twelve losses as really the bubble for a team, and that and that's really it could go either way at that point. You know, you've seen teams with twelve losses get in, you've seen them get left out. I mean, you've this Vanderbilt game coming up. I think is really big because it's a game you it absolutely tests. should win. But if you lose that game, then you've got you know LSU. You you should beat Florida. Then you're at Texas. Very tough game. Texas A&M's playing well. I mean, you've got to play Kentucky again. You got to go to Arkansas. You got to play Auburn. You know that Tennessee's probably going to lose a random game in there that they really should not lose. Uh, Whether that's you know like at South Carolina or something like that, just a game that's inexplicably lost. I I could see it getting up to that 11-12 loss. Pretty quickly, especially factoring in an SEC tournament loss, which is probably going to happen. That's that's kind of scary to think about.
0: Just looking at what the tournament committee has valued in the past, I think they're going to get a lot of run out of two things, even if it does end up going south like that, to above 10 losses, which is really 10 losses is kind of the cutoff. 10 losses with no good wins, like no yeah. no truly remarkable wins but it's going to be two things. You beat Arizona. And I think Arizona very well could end up being like a one seed. Like they're that good. They're having an amazing season. You beat Arizona. You're going to get a lot of run out of that. And you're also going to get a lot of run on the fact you got Kennedy Chandler. They, they love having prime talent in the tournament. They hate leaving those kids out, you know, guys that are going to be like future draft picks. Yeah. And you're, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt probably from at least those two things. Um, again I preface it all with hopefully this doesn't happen just keep it under 10 losses and we don't ever have to have this conversation I mean if you have nine losses Tennessees a turn. yeah yeah for sure yeah.
1: I think I think with ten they probably are yeah. like you' are probably to still Arizona. um yeah
0: so I, five five more losses and I think you're you're totally fine and they're certainly there I to to me right now the way that Tennessee is playing five losses are there um I don't know that I, they're some of those are toss-ups and absolutely winnable games. But yeah, the I mean, possibility I of five more losses is without a doubt there.
1: Right. I mean, after beating Arizona, every game's winnable. I mean, you've yeah. showed that you can beat anybody, really. But you've also showed that you can completely just lay an egg and, and, and lose to almost anybody, too, if, if things really go south in a given night. So I think by the the by the next Kentucky game, we'll have a pretty good feel for, for how the rest of the season is going to go.
0: Yeah. I guess... I, the, my my point for this and i i even wrote about it this this week wrote a quick little thing that was just called it's okay to talk about how rick barnes is underperforming cuz like like we were saying like it seems like people are just scared cuz they want to be like well rick he's he's been so good i just i don't even want to bring it's okay like we can just let's ha- hash it out <laughs> just talk talk it out let's you know let's get it out there and just say Say what it is. If the season doesn't get better, you're going to be having a weird conversation with Rick Barnes at the end of the year. It just that's that's the situation that you're in. Unless unless Danny White is just going to consign the basketball program to mediocrity, and I don't think he's going to do no,
1: that. No, no, he's so dialed he into is. every program being good. I mean, you see him out there, you know, celebrating the most random sports that I didn't even know existed at tennis. Yeah, ten,
0: he and, was. I saw him tweet about a tennis match. Yeah, at Tennessee he,
1: he's. This week. He's all in. He's not just a football athletic director. And, you know, he, he's the, he hired Nate Oates at Buffalo, right? Is that? Yep. I mean, he's, he's, he can hire coaches. Um, just as long as he doesn't hire his brother, <laughs> it'll be oh, fine. Boy.
0: No, thank you. He can stay at Florida. Uh, I keep I say like every year. I feel like I've said this for like three or four years straight. It seems like this is probably it for for Danny White's brother down there. Um, you but he think. keeps surviving, surviving advance. <laughs> I don't know how, but uh, you know, hey, we're proud to him. I I don't mind it because he's. I think it's... his entire time at Florida, he's beaten Tennessee twice. I think three times.
1: I mean, sometimes it's just who you know, and that's a very the White family is a very very. You know, prolific well family in college sports, yeah, well respected, and and you wonder if it's if it's not a favor to some somebody some
0: way somehow. Yeah. Well, either way, uh, we'll just we'll keep an eye on it, and ideally, we don't have to have the tough conversation at the end of the year, and we can just go from there. But with that said, I I love the conversation about the NCAA. Very interested to see how that goes for Tennessee. Um, not something that I was even expecting to talk about on the show this week but i love it i love talking about that i dork out about it so i apologize if that's not your deal we had to dive into it this week but that's it's the news
1: it could have a big impact on on tennessee football so it is it
0: really really could so i i'm all for
1: it hey the behind the scenes stuff of that stuff is incredibly interesting just to see how the all that goes down and what kind of deals tennessee's making behind closed doors uh I like that aspect of it.
0: And, and that, that's where it's where you win with Danny White mm-hmm. with just a guy with his kind of connections, his kind Philip of isn't experience. that making the,
1: these kinds of uh, savvy moves.
0: <laughs> yeah. Heck no. So just be thankful that that's a guy in the driver's seat right now. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Um, that's why
1: you hire an actual
0: AD and not just the next football coach. Yeah. <laughs> Conversation for another day there. Um, yeah. I'm Charlie Burris. That is Zach Rigg. And thank you so much. So much for listening. Uh, I, iTunes, Apple, Spotify, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Um, listen to it there. Oh, here's, here's where I'll end off. At Charlie underscore burris at Zach TNT at A to Z Sports. Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville. Got to, getting all of this in, Zach. Are the Titans beating the bingles or are we moving on to the next round are we moving on to the afc championship game you know my gut says
1: uh it says the titans will win but man joe burrow is playing so good right now it is
0: here's here's a factoid this this is one to watch for the rest of the week because these aren't certainties um but something to me derrick henry coming back that is essentially a certainty at this point diana Rossini, espn she said it's basically a done deal so derrick henry coming back which i couldn't i just thrills me beyond belief as a titans fan um three of the Bengals' defensive linemen including their top defensive linemen could very well be out for this game with derrick henry coming back so if that actually all comes to fruition may god have mercy on the Bengals' soul that's all i'll <laughs> say yeah. um that's all I, i'm not gonna make any predictions i'm not gonna jinx anybody no okay just bl- blessings on the Titans for Derrick Henry's foot and good vibes, good juju. Let's go win a game, make it to the AFC Championship game for the, what, second time in three years? Let's do it, baby. With that said, Charlie Burr, Zach Reagan, thanks for listening, to A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed, blah di blah, blah blah all of that stuff. We'll talk to y'all
1: next week. See you guys later.